The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the show for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, John Jones is dead, and I don't feel so good myself. Jack of the Tales has come to kick ass and chew bubblegum, and he's pretty much a complete ass. The Colonel and the Sailor going head-to-head in a battle of dismembered beasties, plus the Doctor of Limehouse up to his wicked ways again. We look at brotherly love in a sisterly fashion, and is it just about time to lighten the hell up? Your guess is probably as good as mine, and that's a figure of speech because my guess is always just shy of legend. Wait for it. Dairy. As the sun pulls away from the shore and our boat sinks slowly in the west, we queue up the FBI Glee Club, rally around the family with a pocket full of shells, and return the stewardess to her original upright position. As we go finding Forrester, chasing Amy, educating Rita, forgetting Sarah Marshall, regarding Henry, saving Silverman, being John Malkovich, boxing Helena, crossing Delancey, deconstructing Harry, driving Miss Daisy, eating Raul, introducing Dorothy Dandridge, teasing Mrs. Tingle, kissing Jessica Stein, making Mr. Wright, raising Arizona, serving Sarah, Sleeping with the enemy, staying alive, surviving Picasso, trading places, going south, waiting for Guffman, walking tall, wrestling Ernest Hemingway, and just generally being jackasses. Your mileage may vary, not valid in all 50 states. Sorry, Tennessee. Das Hop Traveler Podcast, Shrek it on the road, Funk! Welcome to the Funk. <laughs> we want der Funk. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting, <laughs> exciting edition of the, uh, I should say, issue of the Major Spoilers podcast. I think I sprained my head. <laughs> if everybody can follow that, make sure you uh, take uh, copious notes on, on that, because you may there be asked be to decipher. Yeah, there will be a test in the near future. Not off of that intro, mind you, but no. something else in the very near future. I also need to send a shout out to Kevin Murphy of uh, MST3K for his book, a year at the movies and his theory that every three or four weeks you'll have a new movie. That's the gerund proper noun chasing Amy finding Forrester thing. Uh, absolutely. I spent yeah. like 10 minutes on the IMDB today putting that together. So because I love you, faithful spoilerites and and hate Steven. Yes, because, you know, he spent 10 minutes doing that and he could have spent 10 minutes writing one of his regular reviews. <laughs> hey, I have hit every day in the last you 12. Have. Thank you. You know, much. we are doing something really different up on the major spoiler site this uh yeah, we're being good. Yeah, actually, we are. Quality content. We're actually putting out quality content. Yeah, wah, wah, wah. Uh, we are doing some <laughs> reviews, and I will say when we get to the review section that for this week, this will be the last big two review that I do for the rest of this yep. week, guaranteed. No, no, no. This week. For the rest of the week. For the rest of this week. So I will and promise I'll... listeners that if you're up on the Major Spoilers website, you will see nothing but independent and smaller publishers being reviewed for the rest of this week from me. Awesome. Now, that's not saying that, you know, next week it won't be all DC or all Marvel or all Boom Studios. I believe my next three reviews are a Wildstorm, a Marvel, and I believe a DC, not counting what I'm doing on the show tonight. All right, cool. Also, we're also doing a little something different. You may hear a little bit of different sound from Rodrigo and myself. Uh, Excuse me. Uh, so I put in a little piece of equipment we're testing out to get rid of some of that background noise. <laughs> Let us know what you think of that. If it sounds okay to you, all you have to do is drop us an email at uh, podcast at com. 
I will continue to be a shouting idiot. You're well, welcome. That's kind of a given. But let's get to uh let's that's enough with the housekeeping, house cleaning. Right. We're going to clean house, that's for sure. Let's talk let, yeah. Let's talk about some news that happened this week. We've going to spin the wheel of destiny here in a moment. Let me give you the our wheel top of destiny. Here are the stories that we picked out, not counting the plethora, the 20 plus stories that uh, arrived on the site today, but what's going choice. on with Choice number 1, what's going choice on with Blackest Night? Choice, choice number, number two, 2, Supergirl cover in the DC Nation Justice League cover concerns. Hmm. And in choice number C, Marvel teams with Walgreens. Uh, it's <laughs> Rodrigo Spin that magic wheel. Oh, man. I was hoping we could get into something a little bit more deeper than number C. Hulk the Cologne? Yes. (laughs) Marvel teams with Walgreens. So it was kind of announced. uh, It's going to be epic. (laughs) It wasn't a big announcement. It was kind of passed over. Only people who would be reading those kinds of trades and journals would have noticed it. A couple blog sites picked up on it, and we did too. But it looks like Marvel coming in, I think, as as we get closer to summer and especially into the fall, you're going to see a whole lot more Marvel stuff at your local Walgreens. Hmm. <laughs> Everything's from kitty cups to night lights to snow globes to... Now knows? you too can smell like the Hulk. <laughs> well, that cologne has actually been out for quite some time. The has Wolverine it? cologne, the Spider-Man cologne, and the Hulk cologne has been out for a while. Yeah, you know, I, I think Wolverine cologne those... probably smells like cigars and wet ass. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, out of all of those, maybe I'd go with Spider Man because that one probably just smells like loser lab. <laughs> like, that just... Spider Man spends a lot of time swinging above the city. It probably smells like diesel and pigeon droppings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And what the hell does the Hulk smell like? And an angry little man, or a really angry. Big man. <laughs> it's going to smell like sweat no matter what. Yeah. For but, when you want to get larger and smash all your problems, oh, de Hulk. So the, question, the, the, topic really is, <laughs> the topic really isn't, you know, the cologne that Marvel puts out. But what are your thoughts on, and DC got slammed on this, I know, a couple of years ago, where it just seemed like DC was slapping their figures and, and their properties on any piece of crap that was out there just mm-hmm. so they could sell it. And still, you go through the... Through your local convenience store, you go to your your local um, uh, Rue Morgue or whatever the clothing store is popular at your mall, and you're going to see the Super Mall, Superman, and whoa, the whoa, whoa, what? <laughs> What's that? Rue Twenty One. That's what it is. Do you have to? Do you have to walk <laughs> through the B Dalton to get to that? Yes. <laughs> Hello, I am your host, uh, C. Auguste Dupin. How would you like to purchase your clothing today? <laughs> Beware of the giant I'm just going to make up a mall that has all these great stores that have closed. But, you know, what what do you guys think about, uh, personally, this is is my thought. I'm going to whore myself out for any money that I can get by slapping my name on any piece of crap that's out there. Seriously. Who needs a a Punisher snow globe? Well, nobody does, but, I mean... uh, I can't really fault the companies for doing that, especially... Oh, I can't either. I mean, uh, you know, F continuity t-shirts for sale now <laughs> at the major spoiler store. Um, the The problem is that um, it might become a problem because they're licensing all this stuff out, and the, the companies that they're licensing it to might be expecting it to sell really well, and as it turns out, maybe actually nobody needs a Punisher snow globe. Or a Wolverine oven mitt. Right. Now, we don't know what these products are. They haven't been announced, but those were some of the listings that they had. Mm-hmm. Snow globes and night lights and parties and party See, trays party, and those kind of things. Party trays. Parties, like, I can understand all that. that. Stuff, that, that stuff will yeah. sell. Yeah. 
You can always use more Spider-Man napkins. Right. If the Punisher snow globe depicts the murder of the Castiglione family on their day in Central Park, I might buy that. <laughs> I don't think if, you're going to get anything cool If you've got, like that. you know, on one side, you've got the mobsters and then the bullets in motion and his family. Oh, no. You know, oh, that might and, be and something to have. And when you shake have, it, the flecks are red. Yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. This is the problem that I have with this. And it's the same problem I have. Um, I was going to buy my daughter some of those little Mighty Heroes figures. Mighty hero. Oh yeah, yeah. The little ones that look cute, where they're yeah, the like, cute smiling here's figures. Saber, I, here's a uh, Magneto I, looking at you with his arms outstretched, and he's got this big cheesy smile on his face. Yeah, I yeah. bought the the Silver Centurion Iron Man to keep on my desk <laughs> at work, and I was gonna buy one. And right behind Iron Man was a two pack with the Punisher and Wolverine. Yes, these are these the Marvel characters as a whole are generally not people that I really want my children to emulate. Yeah. Wolverine is a serial killer. Frank Castle is a PTSD sufferer who shoots people. Even Doctor Strange essentially, you know, is into all of this occult stuff. I can see parents in the heartland throwing a rod if somebody came home with, you know, Doctor even Doctor Strange underoos or, you know, a Wolverine nightlight. These are not characters that you want to have the kids go, hey, mom, can I borrow all the good silver? Yeah. And then stabbing Bobby Brady to death? No, this is not what you want. But again, as Steven said, whoring is not just a river in Egypt. Wait, no. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's called the world's oldest profession for yes. a reason. And yes. I, I think that Marvel will quickly find out that there may not be a huge market for I don't know, say you know, Spider-Man soap on a rope. Yeah, there might be. I mean, there's oh, certainly you one. know putting Spider-Man's head or Wolverine's head on some kids' shampoo. Mm-hmm. You know, on the little knob for kids' shampoo. Nothing wrong with that. Little Logan. Little Logan. Right, what's little his, little what, go- Logan. What's actually his name? Jim. What? James Howlett. Yes. Thank God. Why <laughs> do I know that? Little Howlett. I, <laughs> little Howlett. I love the I fact mean, that I his last name has Howl in it. Yeah. I just don't mind it. I just don't want. I don't mind merchandising, okay? I love merchandising. Look around the the Major Spoilers recording studio or the Nerd Room of Doom, Mm. and you're going to see nothing but a guy who buys merchandise crap, right? And look at my closet. It's full of... It's full of... Yeah, B-crap. crap I'm sorry. Full of uh, T-shirts with the logos on them. I don't mind that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I guess when you go as far down to Hulk Cologne... And you're trying to market that to people. I don't know. Who are you trying to market it to? Are you trying to market it to the 12-year-old who's just experiencing women for the first time or experiencing girls for the first time? Or are you trying to market it to the 38-year-old guy who's experiencing girls for the first time? <laughs> Can I just go out on a limb here and say that if you're buying Hulk cologne, I sincerely <laughs> doubt that you're girls. going to have a lot of a chance to experience girls. Exactly. 12 or 38, there's a problem there. Exactly. So I don't. I don't. Hey, boss, I've got a great idea. Oh, what is it, kid? Hey, why don't we slap the Hulk onto a bottle of cologne and it'll sell? The Hulk? Isn't that new movie coming out? Yes, yes, it would be a tie-in product, don't you see? Ah, do it. Also, uh, get me uh, some kind of breakfast cereal. Have his sidekick be, I don't know, what, uh, two cans ham. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. It's like, where did that... I wish we had, what's his name, Alan Fine, who who uh, just got promoted at the Marvel and doing a lot of their merchandising stuff. I would like to, I don't know if Marvel listens to this show. They probably don't because they hate us. But I would I would really like to get an answer as to what is, what's behind some of this crazy merchandise that we see. Mm-hmm. 
Let's be real. Marvel doesn't hate us. Marvel could care less about us. But <laughs> well, that too. And I do believe that Alan Fine was the real name of Larry from the Three Stooges. <laughs> but again, not impugning anybody because I love Larry. I think that there is an old tradition of bad tie-ins. It, I mean, it goes back decades. And if you ever go and look at some of the stuff from before there was such a thing as, you know, licensing of images or, in fact, such a thing as staying on model. Have you ever read, like, Dell Get Smart comics? Oh, yeah, yeah. Or, like, a Twilight or Zone Jerry book Lewis from comic Gold book Key. Or CSI comic books, all this stuff. The where, com yeah, the yeah, comic book in. industry has years, decades, nay on a century of bad ideas going on. <laughs> so I really think I look at this as Marvel going old school. Yeah. Yeah. Remember the, uh, what was it? The, uh, Hulk medallion or the Dr. Strange medallion that you could wear around your neck. Yeah. All those old comic was just the stuff that you could send for like the belt yeah. buckle, like Hulk slippers, I, whatever. I, I just, I just, I'm sure there's going to be Marvel will come out with some little tchotchke that I'll look at and go, Hey, that's pretty cool. And then I'll take five more steps down the aisle and I go, what is this piece of crap? Well, what the hell were they thinking? And that. yet some some other guy's going to go take it from my hand and go, hey, Ma, look at this cool piece of stuff. Yeah. Why so, has he got to talk like that? Why can't he be perfectly rational? <laughs> hey, mother, I would like for you to take a look at this item which I have found here in the store. <laughs> Fly one. <laughs> why has he got to be a slack-jawed, inbred, drooling, grit-eating moron? Where, what, what are you saying, man? You know, I would buy Hulk slippers <laughs> to go with my Hulk hands. There you go. <laughs> but then you'd have to go get purple pajama pants. Oh, and man, a, that a is green awesome. That and actually, a green top. That would be awesome. You know, if you had some of those big feet, like the big hands yeah. with the purple pajamas yeah. and a wife beater, you know, that would be... Uh, <laughs> uh, that, that would be would disgusting. Be actually, but <laughs> you know, somebody would wear that. Hey, Ma, look here at them purple pants. <laughs> I can put my big green feet through them. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and that's my view on merchandising, especially stupid products. Okay, the end. The end. If you guys want to talk about that, you can certainly go up to Major Spoilers. In fact, go over to the Major Spoilers forum and let your voice be heard on merchandising. Word. Okay, Rodrigo's keeping a track of those forums over there, trying to keep the spammers. While out. you're there, buy something. Hey, speaking of, we've got the official Major Spoilers logo mouse pad up in the store. Major Spoilers mouse pad. Uh, <laughs> listeners, tell me if this is a good idea. This uh, company that we're going through sells women's undergarments. You know the panties. <laughs> oh, oh dear. What listeners, if I put? Don't bother. What if I put? Oh. They have a pink. They have a pinkish, purplish kind of uh, a oh, panty. Mm -hmm. What if I we're put a star? Ah, oh, nice. Ladies, would you be interested like, in that? Uh, a star sapphire. Like a star sapphire. Star I'm pretty pages. sure the ladies heard us talking about cologne and switched <laughs> off. Both of them. Hey, honey, look at these here cute panties. How about if I put these on for you? Sapphire, the darkest night. I can put these on for you tonight. We can have a fun time. We can a little sinestro core. Let's read some email. Okay. Uh, do 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 email. You've got mail. Dear major spoiler leaders. Oh, this is actually cool. <laughs> Recently, I have come across a cool little program by the name of RPG Maker 2000. I have decided to create an RPG. That's a role-playing game. I don't know if it will be any good or even if it will see the light of day. However, I am putting you three in the game as PCs. That's player characters. Yay! I would like to know... I would like to know what, if any at all, class slash profession you would like to be. I have come up with one for each of you, but you get the final say on what you are. Matthew is a bard for all the singing he does. I 
I thought an attack of his could be <laughs> the fire uh, ice breath comes out when yes. you say that. <laughs> Steven is a superhero, which is pretty obvious, but hey, because I'm fat and balding. <laughs> and Rodrigo is Just a like ninja. Aquaman. Yeah. <laughs> Rodrigo is a ninja. Rodrigo was the hardest, so in closing, I want feedback. I'll keep you guys posted, and I love the show, especially the bonus ones. I wish you would make another anime show. Sincerely, Devin. P.S. Forgot to say, The Righteous Funk is the name <laughs> of the game. <laughs> right. I am sold. <laughs> I know. I, I, I suppose if you got The Righteous Funk, you probably wouldn't want to put any Hulk cologne on that. No. <laughs> that... But, you know, Devin did, has been kind of contacting us back and forth, and he actually sent a little animated animated a file a little sprite of rodrigo and his fish face walking around and turning and nice. doing some stuff so uh sprite i'm not familiar with whatever it's called i'm not familiar with Archie, rpg maker 2000 but I, apparently it's a game maker from japan from like mm-hmm. a decade or so ago yeah and it got cracked and hacked and leaked through the rest of the entard webs and devin got his hands on it nice and now we're going to be in a game cracked and hacked yeah. Well, first of all, I, I don't know that I should be a bard because bards generally have talent. <laughs> I think that there's a good chance that I should be a 35th level paladin assassin with mage abilities and fire breath, but I'll settle for magic schmuck. I did tell I did tell <laughs> Devin, though, that he did have to put in uh, Scroll Brian as a character. So, mm-hmm. so And I, wouldn't we be NPCs if we're not actually playing the game? But no, maybe he's I, actually creating us well, as playable characters. Yeah, that's that's what he's saying. We're oh, going to be the, the, the party. We're going to be the playable characters. Dude, so... so wait, I'm I don't know if RPG allows you to put in any um, catchphrases or something for these people to say, mm-hmm. but so let's <laughs> run through some catchphrases, okay? okay. All right. So it's my mine. catchphrase... Go ahead, Matthew. Oh, go. go ahead, go ahead. No, it's after you. You go first. Okay, mine would be, hello there, citizen. Mm-hmm. Nice. Matthew, what what can you do? You have one. <laughs> How about my grand slam was supposed to have sausage. <laughs> Disculpeme, dónde están los habitufos? <laughs> Devin, feel free to edit those out of the show and use them in the game. Let's go to another email. Okay. Hi, guys. I discovered your podcast about two months ago, and we've been doing this for more than two months. Uh, yeah, we've been doing it for almost two years now. Oh, man. That's scary. That's wow. rough. It seems like forever. <laughs> I discovered or maybe your, that's just tonight's show. I discovered your podcast about two months ago and have been burning through your podcast since then. I'm currently on Sex and Comics. Wink, wink, notch, notch. Say no more. <laughs> so are we. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, something I've noticed in recent comic trends, in spite of some of some kids titles there is a trend toward making things darker in tone i have no general problem with this but there does not seem to be any general counterbalance to this i really enjoy the times when i can sit down with a good adventure where i do not have to be concerned with brutal beatings over sexuality or other general nastiness mind you i do enjoy these stories and i'm not bothered by the content i just find the trend disturbing Also, I am wondering if you gentlemen could cover the old Marvel crossover events, Evolutionary War, Atlantis Attacks, Miss Tech Wars, etc. (laughs) Thank you for (laughs) investing your time, skills, and humor to one of my favorite hobbies, James M. Adams. I think as I get older, I'm getting getting dyslexic because I could have swore that said to one of my favorite boobies, but that are in answer to... He may be uh, talking about your new haircut. Miss Tech, no. (laughs) <laughs> Atlantis attacks I would like to do if only 
for that sequence where Marvel's seven major heroines are like captured and and brainwashed into being the brides of Set. Oh, there you go. Nice. And you get this moment where Jean Grey, the She-Hulk, and the Invisible Woman are facing down like the Fantastic Four and the X-Men, and the three of them alone outthink and outpower like nine of their male counterparts. Nice. What do you because guys- of the the brainwashing has forced them to continue to use their abilities to their utmost, and you realize they're the smart ones. Yep. And there you go. There's your nutshell review of <laughs> Atlantis. Atlantis what do you guys think about these comics being and darker like in tone? It. Darker in tone, and what are we going to do about them? Or what else is there out there to counter? I, I think we're actually receding away from the trend. I mean, there was, you know, that, that period in the 90s where everything was dark. I'm brooding. And brooding. My name strike is, blood force. New from image. Everyone had claws. Arr. My name is Max. I am Max. I am Wolverine. I am a Wolverine knockoff. I'm Shadowhawk. Like uh, Razor Claw something. I'm Razor Claw Man. Razor Claw Man. I am Deathstrike, Blood Force, and that has that that still remains. I mean, it was it was a strong enough period in comics, and it, it was recently enough that you still get a lot of that, right? But I think you know, if you look at a comic like uh, Invincible, mm-hmm. that is a clear departure from that kind of thing. I mean, there is there is some darkness to Invincible. There is some depth, right? There, yeah. but it's still not a dark and broody comic. It's not about you know gutting yeah. people. Right, unless you've read the last I, couple of issues, then sure. But I'm not again, sure that's... that that's a good example because I mean, issue twelve of Invincible had a grown man beating his teenage son nearly to death in gouts of blood, but but I, they were laughing as they did it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's necessarily darker. Darker is definitely an element of it, but uh, I'm thinking specifically right now of the big two, Marvel right, and DC. Right. The people who are writing Marvel more and more over the past 15, 20 years have been fans who grew up with these characters. Yes. And especially under Quesada and Didio, yes. you're seeing a tendency to have, uh, I think on, on Law & Order, they call it ripped from the headlines yes. plots, where you'll have like, you know, Sue Dibney may be the first DC Universe reference to sexual assault. And it may be a situation where, you know, you're looking at the Marvel Universe and they're dealing with, you know, issues of, of, of gender and identity and issues of, you know, being replaced or these really dark things where, say, Norman Osborn is taking over the world and now we have... And had sex with Gwen Stacy. Well, yeah, but you're looking at a point where people have taken these characters they grew up with and they're trying to make them more relevant. They're trying yeah. to make them more like the world... As we know it, my problem with darkness is not that it's, you know, so very dark. Yeah. There are times when darkness is wonderful. Powers is a dark book that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of really dark well, here's- titles that are still entertaining and cool. But we get to a point where the fan base has aged to the point where we probably couldn't get away with a Kree-Skrull war today. Mm-hmm. Right. Here, here are some of the stories on uh, major spoilers and the characters or comics that they're addressing. The Flash... That's getting pretty dark with the rebirth of Barry Allen. Hmm. Jonah Hex. That's getting pretty dark when in the way they rebooted that. Green Lantern. Darkest Night. Darkest and Blackest Night. Uh, we've got Wolverine. Actually, you know, uh, Dynamite Entertainment has a mask. That's not too bad of a series. It's not too dark and brooding. Mm-hmm. It's not too bad. Mm, I don't know if I'd go that far. I mean, it's not, it's not Wolverine. 
No, but it's it's you know a, a '40s character who was all fun and right. bright red, and they're changing and they're taking her and putting her in dark alleys and giving her identity issues and blotty blotty blue blue. A- Atomic Robo. Now that doesn't that's not dark and brooding. Uh, proof. You've been reading Proof, Matthew. Mm-hmm. Dark and brooding. It's got elements of it. Uh, the main character spent two issues afraid he was going to be eaten by people who had kidnapped him. Okay. Uh, we've got uh, meat. we've got Wonderland, the series from uh, Xenoscope. Now that's dark and brooding. Cyberforce, uh-huh. Hunter Killer, dark and brooding. Uh, GI Joe Origins. I don't know if that's dark and brooding. I haven't read that one yet. GI Joe Cobra is pretty dark. Is that yeah. GI Joe Origins is is interesting? Okay, that's the one where Chuckles is deep undercover in the Cobra organization cool. with the Howard Chaykin cover. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, those Howard Chaykin things. Hey, speaking of, yeah. let me just give a plug to IDW really quick with that the collection that they had out like last week or two weeks ago that the Chaykin issues mm-hmm. I think is what they were. It's the it starts out with the one that's no words, no dialogue with Snake. Uh, no, you're thinking of uh, Larry Hama. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Man, I read yeah. through that, and that's an awesome collection. The best of Larry Hama. That's yeah. a great book. Yeah, and then uh, Eureka. Uh, that's not very dark and brooding. No. So, you know, I think, from what it sounds like, in answer to uh, James, um, maybe you should not be picking up stuff from the big two. Yeah. Maybe spread out and look at some stuff from some of the other people. There is also a PS attached to this email that we missed. Any chance of having Matthew review the professional wrestling companies as a special one-off show or a limited series? Sure. No. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I've always had this really cool idea where we could do an amalgam of oh, the yeah? DC Universe and the WWE. Nice. All right. Where Triple H, of course, is Batman because he's overexposed. <laughs> and uh, Randy Orton is like Captain Adam in that he flips back and forth from good to evil every 25 minutes. Kofi Kingston, I don't, I'm not sure who he is because I'm not sure who he is. Um, John John Cena, of course, can be Superman. I tell you what, James, if you go out and you get 25 new listeners, 25, <laughs> 25. new listeners, not that many considering all the listeners that we have, but if you can go out and recruit 25 new listeners and they can each recruit two additional listeners, we will have a three-episode special just for you. Just for you on uh, professional wrestling companies. And I will throw in this extra caveat or caveat, depending on where you're from and if you speak Latin. Hey, honey, look at this guy talking to funny words. What are you talking about the purple pants? I will not only cover the major wrestling companies, I will cover the WIBWF, the imaginary wrestling company <laughs> that I have on my PlayStation 2. <laughs> SmackDown versus Raw 2007. The WIBWF. That's a Kansas reference. You're going to have to look that up yourself. Their current world champion is a man named Enzio Frickin' Beamish, who has been in a long-time feud with the Mighty King Cobra. That is funny. Yes, and of course, the Intercontinental Champion, Blue Steel, is currently having a pseudo-feud with his tag team partner, Noodles (laughs) McIntyre. They recently lost their belts because Noodles feels that Blue Steel is too focused on the Intercontinental Championship. Oh, I thought they lost and their belts course, because it didn't go with their with their shoes. Right. Our hardcore champion is uh, the Mighty Librarian. Oh boy, uh, she's dangerous. All right, look, all right. So we need what did I say? Twenty five plus two times. So that's what twenty five plus two hundred new listeners. Be, 
That would be 102 listeners. 102 listeners. Okay, 102 listeners. <laughs> that's that's not very and many. Each of them, each of them needs to send us a letter that says, "Hi, my name is Jonas." Wait, no, no, no. Uh, they have to. That's a that's a Weezer song. Hi, my name is Blank, and I'm here for the wrestling. Yes, we need a hundred. And no, no, James, you can't go out and create a hundred fake email addresses because I'm watching. Yes, I know. I'm Batman. Steven, Steven's a Steven hacksaw. Has no life. Yes, Steven's I have hacksaw. no life. Hey, speaking of uh, James's dark comics, let's review some comics and Ready? see if we uh, and see if we continue that idea of dark comics or lightheartedness. Hmm. Uh, Matt, oh. you, you, why don't you start us off this week? All right, we give haven't me had a moment. you start in a long time. I apologize for the delay. I'm having a leg cramp. And since my recording station is actually my living room, I had to move a little bit so that I'm sitting more comfortably on the love seat. Bong, bong. Please don't sue us, Jeopardy people. All right, now, Matthew, what do you got for us? I am afraid that I'm not going to be disabusing anyone of James's notion in that the first words on this comic in my hand are dark rain. Oh, no. Um, Mighty Avengers number 24, Dan Slott taking over that which Brian Bendis birthed in its unholiness nest a couple years ago. Um, I got to say, I miss Frank Cho and his naked women on the covers, uh, but that's neither here nor there. Do what? I was going to say, isn't that Frank Cho art? No, it was for like the first six issues. It went from Cho to Mark Bagley. Yeah, but Cho was doing Ultra Woman, right? Ultron Woman. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so so fill us in on what's going on in the Mighty Avengers world now that Norman Osborn is in charge. All right. I move the mouth my mouth from the microphone when I breathe. Are you done? Yes. You say, oh, Matthew, go first. You haven't gotten to go first in a while. Then you talk for seven and a half minutes. <laughs> You're like my ex-wife. <laughs> Mighty Avengers number 24 from the team of Slot, Sandoval, Martinez, and Roche, attorneys at law. Uh, in the last couple, three issues of Mighty Avengers, Hank Pym, the former giant man, former ant man, former yellow jacket, former Goliath, former giant man again, former yellow jacket again, former Goliath again, former Yellow Jacket again, former Dr. Pym, when he was a member of the West Coast Avengers, recently lost his wife, Jan, or ex-wife, depending on where you're from, and took up her name in honor of her and became the new Wasp. Oh, boy. This is, for those of you counting, this is his sixth superhero identity. Boy, talk um, about commitment issues. Mm, indeed. Uh, as the new Wasp, he accidentally kind of fell backwards into leading a new team of Avengers. And that team had such members as the Incredible Hercules and Amadeus Cho, nice. um, yeah. two members of the Young Avengers, Stature and the Vision. Stature, of course, the daughter of the second Ant-Man, who is not to be confused with the first Ant-Man. Yocasta, or Jocasta, but I'm going to say Yocasta because I, again, don't speak Latin who is a robot imbued with the mind of his dead ex-wife. Wow. <laughs> uh, John Walker, the is USA it, jerk. I'm sorry, US agent. Yes. I was going to say, is it any wonder I just don't follow Marvel stuff? I just can't keep up know. with all the craziness. And this particular issue has a running gag, in, quite literally, in that throughout the issue, they keep teleporting from place to place through the powers of the Scarlet Witch. Those were air quotes. 
The Scarlet Witch is teleporting them around the world, and her brother Quicksilver keeps running and running and running like a constipated wiener dog to try and catch up. <laughs> so throughout the issue, we see the Avengers. Uh, they show up in Los Angeles. And a minute later, Quicksilver shows up. They show up in Buenos Aires fighting one of my greatest villains of all time, Swarm. No way. No, no, no. I got to tell you about Swarm just for a second. Swarm Swarm. is a radioactive swarm of bees centered around the skeleton of a dead Nazi geneticist. Swarm. 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 And if you kill the queen bee, you can kill the thing. Fritz von Meyer was his name. Swarm. I love Swarm. But in any case, they fight Swarm. swarm. They beat doesn't, swarm. doesn't he, don't he and Super Scroll and Arnim Zola go cruising for chicks all the time? <laughs> I think they probably should if they don't. But as they teleport around, Hank Pym has a tendency to, you know, make waves. And he gets on GNN, which is not CNN, mind you. Oh, no, no, no. This is GNN. And telling people, hey, I'm the Avengers, which kind of ticks off the leader of what he considers to be the real Avengers, Commander Norman Osborn, the Iron Patriot. So they end up in Tokyo fighting some people. Quicksilver shows up a second too late. They end up fighting in France, and Quicksilver shows up a second too late. And finally, we get to a point where Quicksilver finally catches up with the rest of the team. He helps them out. He's the only one who can take down the villain, and he does it in like literally five seconds flat. Yeah, And it's nice to see Quicksilver not being a complete jerk, but Mm -hmm. Quicksilver then does something that really, really kind of bothered me. On national TV, actually worldwide television, Quicksilver gets interviewed and they're like, what's with all your recent troubles? And Quicksilver says, oh, I was replaced by a Skrull. Nice. Now, anybody who read Secret Invasion can tell you two things. One, Pietro Maximoff was not on that ship. And two, this is really, really, really a brilliant lie. Yeah. Because the character has been a villain for so long and he's been, I mean, he's doing all these terrible things and he was in X Factor as a terrible person and Silent Invasion as a terrible person. And now he's like, oh, that wasn't me. That was my evil twin. Nice. It's beautiful and elegant and awful all at once. Blame my evil twin. Yep. Yep. And that's how well, you can tell. Part, that's how you can tell the difference between evil Rodrigo and good Rodrigo, because evil mm-hmm. Rodrigo has a beard. Um, I thought good Rodrigo had a beard too. Well, don't act so surprised. <laughs> evil Rodrigo has two beards, <laughs> which makes him double evil. All right, but of course, Hank Hank Pym and Jarvis are a little irked that Quicksilver claims to have been a survivor of the whole thingy thing, but. The team ends up assembling, no pun intended, at the end of this issue and really accepting Quicksilver, which really ticks off the Scarlet Witch. Ask me why. Why? Because the Scarlet Witch is not the Scarlet Witch at all. She's actually Loki. Hmm. And Loki has assembled this team of Avengers to do his slash her bidding. And, of course, doesn't Norman Osborn doesn't know that Loki has assembled his her slash team of Avengers to basically futz with his head because he leads what he considers to be the real Avengers. It's basically a a take on the new Loki character where you never quite know what she's up to, Mm -hmm. where there's wheels within wheels and an enigma wrapped in a riddle deep fried in tempura and, you know, dipped in a bacon sauce. (laughs) But 
It's not a bad issue. Uh, Mighty Avengers number 24 actually is a three and a half slice of meatloaf affair. It's given a different take on the Avengers for a long, long time, maybe five years now. Avengers have been all about Brian Michael Bendis and what Brian Michael Bendis is going to do to rebrand the characters. This is Dan Slott looking at that rebranding and going, okay, well, these characters used to be Avengers too, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to nod to that history because we've been doing five years of the new stuff. It's not new anymore, yeah. which is a good point. It's time so, to move on. Those 35-year-olds are now 40, and they're not buying comic books. Everybody knows <laughs> exactly. that. Well, there's a lot of hatred of Dan Slott around Gatekeeper Hobbies. Hunt, tune, engage. Topeka, ask me about my Richie Rich back issues. But there's also a, a, a nebulous reasoning why people hate Dan Slott. Which is? They say, well, uh, you know, some of the people are saying, well, he's just not funny, or he's too funny, or he's not serious enough, or he's too serious. And I think Dan Slott has a lot in common with Mark Wade, And Dan Slott has a lot in common with Brian Bendis, in a way. Dan Slott has a very specific way of writing. They're all awesome. So he is, has, that, is that the connection? Yeah, he has a tone that I like. And I like this weird mix of characters where it's not all, let's take the greatest heroes in the Marvel Universe and stick them all together and see how awesome they look on a poster. This really is classic Avengers. This is Quicksilver and the Vision and the Scarlet Witch and someone giant and someone tiny and a guy with a shield and a god. Cool. I mean, that's, that's what it breaks down to. So I like it. Three and a half slices of meatloaf for Chuck, Chuck. Dark Rain Mighty Avengers number 24. Yes, slices of meatloaf ratings, just another little thing that you get here at Major Spoilers. Because we're weird. Uh, well, yeah. Because we don't go along with what everybody else. Star ratings, thumbs up ratings, have. Come on, we're going to start with meatloaf. Ha ha! And do you know how much meatloaf you get? <laughs> Not enough! Ha ha! I will do anything for love. Uh, speaking of love, uh, the Great Fables crossover event continues this week. Here. I think it would have been funnier if you said speaking of love and went straight to Rodrigo's review. <laughs> <laughs> for reasons which I will explain momentarily. Oh my goodness. Shall we go ahead and do that? I was going to go with Rodrigo since his is a brand new review for a comic. I was saving him for last. All right, you go now, and I'll tell the joke in a minute. Okay, uh, so uh, Jack of Fables number 33 hits, which is the second part of the Great Fables crossover, and it's written by uh, Willingham Sturgis and with art by Braun and, and uh, Marzahn. Is that how you'd say it? M-A-R-Z? With Jose Marzahn, I believe. Yeah, Jose Marzahn. Marzahn. So this is the Jose story Marzahn. of um, Bigby and Snow White catching up with all of the people that Jack has been running around with, all the people from the uh, the hovel, wherever they've been locked up, with Revise and all these other guys. And essentially the issue is explaining the situation about this new guy who can essentially rewrite reality and possibly wipe out the fables if they don't all join together in forces. But a lot of the issue is spent with Jack and Big B duking it out on this little roadside diner on uh, Route 66, where I hear you can get some kicks. Uh, there's some brilliant writing in here, especially when, at the beginning, all of these fairy tale characters are in this diner, you know, pigs and fairies and rats and lions and walruses oh, and all my. these people. And you see the people crowded around, you know, the, the real people, the Mundies, crowded around in the back uh -huh. behind, the, behind the kitchen area, behind the, mm -hmm. the bar. And they're all just kind of huddled around. And you see the other Jack 
giving orders, and he's like, I'd like two with cheese, six with cheese and bacon, one with cheese, bacon, and fried eggs, 14 orders of pancakes, five with bacon, six with sausage, hold the hash browns on two of those, two with sausage and bacon, one with double blueberries, a cob salad with just the egg whites, no yolk, and extra blue cheese, but if you can't do that without yolks, then give me a Caesar salad with chicken, <laughs> breast meat only, and cheddar cheese. You got that? And then the waitress behind the counter is like, yeah, you want gravy on on those fries? Nice. And then it just then he goes into yeah let me have uh, let me have gravy on six of the fries no gravy on four red eye gravy on one and it's just you know it's that kind of snappy kind of dialogue that goes throughout the issue. There's also the introduction of a new Jack Frost into this series, uh, and of course the big fight with uh, with Big B and and, uh, and Jack to the point where <laughs> Jack kind of just storms off because they act like they're going to handle it and they don't want his help and. All the people that he led during the great uh, fight a couple issues ago in Jack the Fables kind of uh, are turning their back and would rather follow Big B and Snow. Hmm. And that's kind of where the issue uh, ends. It's, you know, I think the Great Fables crossover is going to get a little better. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, Jack of Fables got really complex in that last arc that they had. Yeah. And I kind of stopped following it for a little bit. Uh, so I'm trying to jump back on board and figure out who all these characters are again and trying to figure out their relationships with Jack and with Revise and all these other people. Uh, I'm going to have to just give it, I think, three stars. The art is good. The writing Meatloaf. is good. But I think it's just so complex. I'm sorry, meatloafs. <laughs> Man, come on. I'm thinking about, like, all these other... You make a big deal about no star ratings, and then you immediately go, and here's the star rating. Because that's, that's what we use up on Major Spoilers. We should change that back to mm-hmm. the uh, to meatloafs there as well. That's my goal for this nuts? week is we're going to switch those out to meatloaves. But, yeah, I, you know, three meat, three meatloaves at best for Jack of Fables number 33. Mm-hmm. Hey, speaking of love, <laughs> Rodrigo, what do you got for us? <laughs> Matthew, you're laughing so hard. What's the joke? I've never heard of this book, mind you. Okay. And I don't – that's not meant to be an indictment of anything. But there's a movie – called Heathers, which came out about 20-odd years ago. Yeah, had uh, What's-Her-Face, the Klepto, and had that it other had guy who was in the... Christian Slater. Yeah. Renata, Winona Ryder and Christian Slater, and in that movie, there's a reference, which anybody who's seen that movie may want to go back and check, but it makes the title Sword in My Mouth terribly entertaining. <laughs> it's Sword of My Mouth. Same thing. Number one. Um... By Jim Monroe and Shannon Gerard. 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 Um, this uh, comic was uh, pretty weird. Holy crap! This comic is weird. Um, it, it takes place in Detroit, I believe. Um, r- after the rapture, so all the righteous have been taken to heaven. Everybody else has been left on Earth, and all of a sudden, magic works again. There are people who have scales. There are people who have feathers instead of hair. Um, apparently, it's commonplace to go and have yourself like mystically mutated to be better at your job. Wow. Um, and the story centers around this woman who is a single mother. She's got a baby, and there's something wrong with the baby. We don't know what it is, though, we, right? It's, I don't know if... Uh, basically, she keeps his mouth covered... Yeah. And during the, uh, she kind of oh. takes him to this daycare. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's all kinds of weird ass kids around. Yeah. But one of the ladies approaches a kid and sort of like peeks uh, under his mouth or under his uh, little mouth, mouth yeah. cover. 
and she like gets really upset and leaves but you never quite see what it is yeah um so he's got that going for him which is nice um you know but, they have surgeries that can fix those problems probably uh this book was actually pretty good because um it's so bizarre well there's all this bizarre stuff going on but the most important thing is how lonely this woman is. Yeah, even with a and, kid. Yeah, and she's writing, basically writing this letter that she's not going to send to her baby daddy. Yeah. Who left her. Yeah. Um, Did he get floated away in the rapture? I don't think so. Okay. I think he might have just left. Oh, okay. Um, Although now that you mention it, that might have been why he left. I don't know. Um, it it really seemed like it was his choice from what she... Oh, okay. All from right. what she writes. Okay. Um, But... Again, there's all this weird stuff going on, and you know, you you kind of get through the book, and or at least I got through the book and close it. I was like, that was a story about a really lonely woman. Yeah. In the background, there are bird people, but and there's um, some woman that's like giving her some kind of mystic warning or something. Yeah. And... This this woman gives her this talisman. And is like, oh, this is supposed to you know give you good luck, and her apartment burns down. Oh man. Um. So, but again, it's it's funny because. It could just not have all the mystical stuff in it. Right. I mean, I'm sure that that's going to become more and more prominent, but as an introduction to this character, and and from what I hear, this is a continuation of another comic. Right, another series called uh, Therefore Repent. Therefore Repent, um, which I've never read. but uh, I have not read it either. As as an introduction to this character, I, I was into it, and I thought it was really strongly written. The art... Is all black and white. Yeah, that's also a different thing, and it doesn't um, have shade. It doesn't have it a doesn't, lot of shading. It doesn't have a lot of shading. It doesn't have panels. Yeah. A lot of the time, um, the only real way that you can tell, and you know they do it well, you can usually tell that that you're in a different panel is because you see the same character again in a different position. Mm-hmm. Um, it just mostly has just white spaces between the scenes. Yeah, and um, that's kind of interesting. And it's interesting. It's a it's a different take on it. Um, the text though. Uh, is kind of problematic for me. It looks, it does, it's not your standard comic book text. Right. You know, that kind of like rounded letters or anything like that. It it looks like somebody else who, you know, has decent penmanship sat down and, and, and did it, but it looks a little rougher. It's a little bit harder to read. It's a little bit harder to get used to. Yeah. Um, I kind of had an issue with that, but it wasn't a big problem. All in all, um, I enjoyed reading it. I'm kind of curious as to what, in the crap is going on. Right. Um, you know, check out the next issue when it comes out. I think I will. I was wondering what the crap was going on or mm-hmm. the B crap that was yeah, going on. What the B crap. And, uh, I, was, I tried reading the first couple of pages and I was like, man, my head's spinning. I got to go put w this down. W the hell. Yeah. W the hell. Uh, this is from IDW publishing and it's a brand new, <laughs> this all has to do with a conversation that took place before you started listening to the show listeners. So as with everything we do, <laughs> yeah. really. It's all related to a conversation that no one out there has heard. Yeah. So. But it's from IDW Publishing. Jokes have in jokes in them, for God's sake. For G's sake, come on. Uh, no, for God's ass. Yes. <laughs> so how many uh, of the slices of the meatloaf are you going to give the sword of my mouth number one out this week from IDW Publishing? <laughs> I'd give it three slices, which you probably slice with the sword of your mouth. There you go. Awesome. Awesome little connection there. So there you go. A Marvel review, a DC review, and an independent review from us to you, our dear favorite listeners in the whole wide world. And ladles and gentlemen, ladles and jelly spoons.
JDs and Lentilmen, people of all sort of things and gender-neutral constructs out there. When it's time to finish the reviews, you know what that means. It is time for Matthew to take over the transition, and it could take weeks to get where we're going, but we will get there. We will get there. Stay with us. Stay with us. Please don't leave us. <laughs> I think they turned off God. like 15 minutes ago. Yeah, as soon as we said Hulk alone, they were gone. Yeah, they're like, what, yeah, the, f- what the F? For the four what of the you who are crap? here, it's time. It's time. The beat crap for these For the major spoilers, poll of the week. Poll of the week. Poll of the week. Oh, man. It's a man. <laughs> Hey, honey, come this over here and listen to these funny podcast boys. Hulk Cologne is uh, sort of my mouth. There you go. You got one that even kind of sound like me, dang old. I'll tell you what, man. That's like uh, saying to my partner in the Blue Steel the other day, I was saying you're spending too much attention to your intercontinental belt, is what I said. <laughs> this week, we return to Alan Moore. Of course, you know that when Alan Moore wrote the classic Watchmen, he based his characterization on of Colonel Sanders <laughs> on the classic Charlton character Popeye. <laughs> this is actually – stay with me here. When he went to D.C. and they said, we, he wants to, I want to write this series. And they're like, you can't do that to Colonel Sanders. And he's like, okay, well, I'll just – you know, I'll turn him into Popeye. And that's, that's kind of what happened. And either that or Stephen had a brain fart and forgot we needed a poll of the week and came up with this on the spur uh, of the moment. Actually, I should point out – that I sent out an email to everyone this past week, and this is everyone meaning not you listeners, uh, that said, hey, I'm kind of out of ideas and I don't want to do the Watchmen one again. Throw me some ideas. And our good friend, Mr. Rodrigo, said, hey, why don't you pit KFC against Popeyes and see who comes out on top? I'd like to say that I sent him like 12 ideas, (laughs) most of them around as ridiculous as KFC versus Popeyes. I just wanted to see if he'd do any of them. And this is what he stuck with. <laughs> yes. He had all sorts of great things like, you know, Wasp versus Hank Pym, uh, Hulk versus Superman, KFC versus Popeyes. <laughs> Guess which one I went well, with. I'd rather see Hulk versus Hank Pym and the Wasp versus Superman. Oh, there you go. That's just... That'd be awesome. So, yes. Uh, short fight. The chicken, the chicken King versus the Chicken <laughs> Sailor Man, which doesn't make <laughs> any sense. The battle of the what, what, what the bark, bark, bark. And I got to tell you, I didn't think too many people would participate in this poll. But holy crap, well, the, the people have yep. come out of the woodwork on this thing. And you know what this means? It means that the faithful spoilerites are just as goofy as we are. Uh-huh. And we love you as for it. I, of course, being old school. And by that, I mean Fat. the only Popeyes in town is way over on the east side. <laughs> and I just don't have the gas to drive all the way over to Popeyes. I mean, it's. The only way for me to ever be close to that is when I'm at work at Gatekeeper Hobbies Huntoon Engage Topeka. So I actually went with KFC because there's one of those like two minutes from my office. Yeah. And they have that new grilled is chicken. Is that good? Have you tried that yet? I do like it, but it should be noted that I'm weird. The outer, it's got like a crispy coating oh, with like little grill lines on it. It's good. And as long as there's, there's a phenomenon at KFC that I like to call Old Bucket. <laughs> is this I don't the one know where you pick ever... out the bucket and you can see through it because of all the grease? Mm-hmm. Actually, no. It refers to I don't know if you've ever had the barbecue crispy strips. Mm-hmm. What they what they have is they apparently have a big bucket in the back that just simmers barbecue yes, sauce with a mop all day. They have a and mop. then you just dip 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 your chicken in it. 
And every once in a while, you'll get to like a burnt sensation, yeah. a burnt taste that doesn't get out of the barbecue sauce for like about a month and a half. Yeah. And you go in and you buy it and your barbecue sauce tastes like, you know. Burnt. Somebody set on fire. So, I mean, yeah, I had to go with that. Even with that ickiness, they have, well, the crispy strips and they have the the crunch wrappy things and the other stuff. So, And they've got that wonderful potato bowl, which they stole from El Pollo Loco. El Pollo Loco. But (laughs) the thing about the potato bowl that's wonderful is there's nothing healthy in the potato bowl. It's like like mashed potatoes covered with butter and gravy and greasy chicken and just stuck in a pile. It's awesome. Mm. It's so you're going, it's like going in there. So you're going with the kernel. Well, yeah, He's because not I have a really fat, a kernel. The fat, <laughs> the legendary fat man burial ground. Much as how elephants go to the ivory <laughs> burial grounds when they die, fat men just go to KFC until they keel over. I wonder if there's any Look, connection between the two. Behold this majestic creature, <laughs> the fat as he, nerd, as he enjoys his last bucket. <laughs> There's just Knowing that his end with, is near, he has returned to the of, camp. of extra crispy on his beard. <laughs> Sometimes I crack myself up, listeners. You're actually so evil, you have three beards. <laughs> Rodrigo, which one did you go for? Um, I had to go for a KFC as well, just because uh, I'd probably been to Popeye's all of twice and to KFC all of... Maybe six times. No Seriously. way. Seriously. Are you kidding? You house. live in Hayes, the home house. of the legendary two-story two KFC. I, yes. and, and, I, and I get that. And I don't live in Hayes. He lives in the Russell. I, I do. I live in, oh, I live in God, Hayes' uh, retarded little they... brother, Russell. <laughs> <laughs> I live in the Russell. I went to high school now, in Russell, and I got to tell you. Yeah. If you think I about love our, Russell uh, because the median age was like 193, and on Saturday nights, you could just sit around and listen to lungs collapsing all over town. <laughs> So you live in the Russell, and I thought he smelled bad on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to take him to the legendary two-story KFC. Now, do they still have that all-you-can-eat buffet? Yes, they do. There. They do. Take him to the all-you-can-eat buffet because there are times when I was young and just married and broke when my wife's <laughs> purse at the KFC all-you-can-eat buffet was the only way I could afford groceries. Hey, <laughs> I remember. So we would, we would fill her purse with chicken and eat that for like three or four days. Yeah, you know, the very first uh, time that KFC came out with that honey barbecue chicken, mm-hmm. oh man, it was so good. But it was also the time that I that I lived in this rinky-dink, crap-ass apartment, no air conditioning, 105 degrees minimum in the house. Oh, God. And I would go, and our good friend, um, crap, what's his name now? He's going to kill me. Uh, Jack. No. Fred. No, the Star Frank. Trek Star Trek guy from college, Matthew. Remember him? Ah, uh, yes. Was this? Ah. Uh, well, anyway, he was I, working there. He's on the Facebook. I'm sorry, man. I know you're listening, but I just your name's on the tip of my tongue, and everybody knows I'm terrible Greg, with names. Andy. No. Kirby. E starts with an E. E. And last name starts with an E. Evans. E. No. And Endor. I know his name. I kept Todd I Elson. Todd Elson. That's right. So Todd Commander Elson was working Elson. there. I remember I remember now, and I'm like, oh, that was awesome. I know. The rest of you listeners, if you know Todd, great. If not, then sorry. Yeah, if, if not, okay. we just wasted a whole <laughs> but minute would, of your time. I would, anyway, go, I would starting, go and get a giant. again in, in three, two, one. So I believe his name was Todd Elson, that's, Steve. That's right, Matthew. Thank you for remembering that for me. So I would go and buy this giant 20-piece bucket of this honey barbecue wings, or just honey barbecue chicken. Go and put it in the refrigerator at home. And then every night I would come home. This isn't a picture people want to hear. But I would come home, it's so hot in the house, 
I'd open up the front door to the apartment. I'd open up the back door to the apartment. I'd sit in the living room, strip down my pants in front of a big fan blowing on me while I'm eating this cold honey barbecue chicken. Wow. Oh, it was like the best. It's the only way to keep cool. And my wife looks at me I weird. Just threw up in my mouth. A little. <laughs> well, you know, was this is the crappy enough... apartment on 15th no, Street. No, this is the crappy apartment on 2nd Street across from the football stadium. Oh, my God. That was a crappy apartment. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, throwing up a little bit in your mouth might actually occur if you eat too much KFC. Mm-hmm. Or, if you're, or if you're our good friend uh, Bruce Otter. He got violently <laughs> ill at, after eating at Popeye's. So I'm going to have to go with KFC because I've never eaten at Popeye's, although everybody who has eaten at Popeye's says it's really, really good. Hmm. Unfortunately, our poll uh, kind of favors that same thing because Popeye's is not a nationwide, international chicken establishment. Right. Right. They're not, they're not universal like the KFC. Yeah. So uh, the, the poll is heavily in favor of the KFC. But I do enjoy. The- I'm showing 235, 237 votes now. 74 percent leaning towards the Colonel. Only 26 percent of the vote favoring the Louisiana Kitchen of Popeyes. Yeah, which is sad because I hear it's really, really good. But it's even better to it, go. It is good, but it's it's different. It's this this battle is more. To put it in terms that are more germane to our situation, it's like Batman versus Moon Knight. No, yes, they're similar. They're similar shticks, but to call Moon Knight Batman would be ridiculous. And you know, to equate Batman with Moon Knight, aside from the fact that they're both guys who wear completely inappropriate outfits with capes to beat up on people in dark alleys, there's really not a lot similar between Batman and Moon Knight. Right. But Chicken. people would still look at them and go, "Oh, well, they're Biscuits. they're pretty much the same. They're guys in the dark do, with with hats." I wouldn't mind if KFC would start serving some red beans and rice or some jambalaya. Mm-hmm. That might actually be kind of good. But listeners, if you know. would like to weigh in on this uh, heavily slanted poll of the week, I know we're not trying to give plugs to KFC or Popeyes. You said slanted poll. We should see if they pay us. <laughs> what is that called? <laughs> Well, you never know. That's why I'm kind of asking some of these questions, and we may have some other personal questions to ask you in the coming weeks just so we can kind of I get can't up. wait. I can't <laughs> wait to see what the random ad generator comes up with now. Speaking of oh. random ad generation, that's kind of what we use whenever we uh, decide what titles we're going to talk about each week. And this really? week, the crazy wheel spun... And it was determined that we would talk about the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, or Extraordinary, extraordinary. Gentlemen. Extraordinary. I would say Extraordinary, because they're not ordinary. Extraordinary. <laughs> they're extraordinary. 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 The League of Ex- Extraordinary Gentlemen by Mr. Alan Moore. Extraordinary. Shut up. It's English. <laughs> I'm going to talk like Patrick Stewart for the rest of the podcast. Actually, you should probably talk like uh, Sean Connery. Since this uh, wow. this movie adaptation essentially ruined his I, career, I'm afraid I can't do Sean Connery. I can only do an impersonation of the guy from Saturday Night Live doing Sean Connery. So basic gist: all the literary we made again, Trebek. All the literary figures you've ever read about are alive and well in uh, Victorian 19, England. Yeah, Victorian England, 19th century England. Sort of. Rodrigo, yes. kick us off. Lead us through this discussion of the first volume of the League of. Extraordinary gentlemen. Okay, so we start out with um, Sherlock Holmes. No, it starts off with no, no, Bond no. and no, no, Campion Bond. Right, British intelligence. He's, he's putting a he's putting a team together. You see, 
A team, you say? Yes. Why? Why so? Because Her Majesty needs a super awesome super team. And so, who would be on this super awesome super team of awesome? Well, we definitely want uh, Alan Quartermain. Okay, because obviously he went to the ma- Lost City of Gold and yeah, precedes and, and Indiana he, Jones. And he's a badass. Right. right. So you need your badass on your team. Okay. Um, need you need somebody who's connected and presentable. So Miss um, Wilhelmina Harker. Right. Who is, goes by a different name because she doesn't right. want people to know that she was married to Dracula's To killer. Dracula. Yeah, to Dracula. Dracula. Um, and then uh, after that... You need people who are going to be muscle, who are going to be good at infiltrating, right. and who are going to be good at transportation. Okay. And the best way to do that is to pardon a bunch of criminals. There you go. And so what criminals do we, uh, what criminals surface in the harbor? Uh, Captain Nemo. Awesome. Dread Pirate of the Seas and his Nautilus. Yes, which actually looks very awesome. awesome. Yes. Very awesome ship. Uh, who else do we have? We also have um, the famed uh, chemist. Dr. Henry Jekyll. Right, of the famous, and his... Uh, and his horrendous alter ego, Edward Hyde. Right. And lastly, we have, and I've forgotten his name... The Invisible Man. Holly Griffin. Yes, the Invisible Holly Man. Holly Griffin. Who? The, the horrible, I believe <laughs> also murderer and rapist, yeah. the Invisible Man. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I think, the thing that I think probably when this first came out really shook up a lot of people, mm-hmm. because... Where do we find Alan Quartermain? Well, he's in an opium den, and, he, uh, yep. opium den, and he's uh, just addicted to opium. And you find out that uh, Nemo is uh, is just this badass guy that kills with impunity, just doesn't mm-hmm. care. And you've got he follows uh, no man's law. He's he's <laughs> his only nation that he believes is the sea. You've got uh, you've got the Invisible Man, as you already mentioned, as a murderer and a rapist at this uh, girls' reformatory, mm-hmm. getting them knocked up, and they all and- believe that it's a uh, Immaculate Conception. And the best part is the girl that he's assaulting is Pollyanna. Yes. Was it Pollyanna or was it somebody else? It was Pollyanna. Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm was already pregnant. Oh, okay. That's right. Poly- okay. Pollyanna was the one who was assaulted on panel. Right. <laughs> it's so funny to see those characters brought in, just like Bond and M, the mysterious M, mm-hmm. who is Bond's uh, boss, uh, mm-hmm. Pollyanna and uh, the other girl. And I... I, you know, I am got to admit, I don't know all of the literary references that no, I, appear in I here. I certainly don't. I mean, there's homages, <laughs> which actually kicks off into the uh, second volume, where they're talking about explosions on Mars, which is the Mars uh, inv- or War, of the, War of the Worlds. Right. Um, Once again, gentlemen, I have your back, for I do understand the references, and yes, I'm that old. <laughs> wow, you're older than Victorian England? <laughs> Matthew, I was, Matthew I, is a vampire or he has a picture somewhere in his house he's not showing us well you know the only one that's somewhat redeemable in this is Wilhelmina Harker mm-hmm. uh, certainly I would, Jekyll I, and Hyde or not I think Jekyll might have been at yeah. one point Hyde certainly isn't but Hyde accepts that he isn't right and what's interesting is that character Hyde grows more and more grotesque and powerful yeah. as as the changes occur mm-hmm and that uh, and uh, Dr. Jekyll, uh, he even says, I'm getting smaller and smaller. He says at one point, I was actually taller than him at one point. But mm-hmm. now it's quite the opposite. You know, it's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. I myself have not read it, but uh, you've not read this book again. <laughs> I, uh, shut up. I have not read the original version of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde to which they're referring. Right. But Robert Louis Stevenson actually in the original manuscript 
makes references, subtle references to the fact that Hyde gets larger and larger throughout the book. Oh, okay. So by this point in time, it's pretty awesome. But I think the most entertaining part of this book for me was after I'd read it through for the plot, yeah. going through and playing, hey, it's that guy. Right. Just like with Pollyanna and, and uh, yep. Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm and yep. other people. And they show up. They show up in Paris, and it's uh, Inspector Dupin, right. C. Auguste Dupin, right. from uh, Murders the in the Rue Morgue. Right. And, you know, just the references to Sherlock Holmes, and, of course, mm-hmm. that plays a big, a big part in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And, in fact, why are, they, why are they, Rodrigo, why are they all going on this mission of secrecy? This menagerie uh, has to go together to uh, stop somebody? Because the Chinaman has a powerful weapon. Which, if right. which, if I'm not mistaken, I would have to go back and and do some more research. What was the doctor's name that invented the uh, the magnificent levitating stuff? Professor Cavor from uh, from the novel From the Earth to the Moon. Okay, that's mm-hmm. what I thought. I was yeah. It sounds an awful lot like, and the container that it's in looks an awful lot like Flubber. Uh there there are definitely there are definitely references to it, but it's from. Uh, I think it's Wells. Yeah, actually. he did Earth to the Moon. Yeah, H.G. Wells. But it's it, Doctor Cavor had created this incredible flying substance. Yeah. Wait, no, that was Jules Verne. Oh yeah, Jules Verne. That's right. Are you sure? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Jules Verne. Maybe. Yep. He also did. I don't know. I can't. I can't use the, the internet right now, or else my microphone will break there up. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, has been blinded, and <laughs> Matthew's crippled. <laughs> oh no. Hey, I haven't had the internet for the last 10 podcasts, and I still managed to sound at least vaguely erudite. Uh, uh, Shut up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, they're infiltrating the uh, the Chinaman's uh, source, you know, the the yeah. empire under the, under the river, under the Thames River. The Limehouse portion of London, which is actually... A, a portion of London that really exists, Limehouse, was supposed to be where all of the, the opium dens and the houses of ill repute were way back in the day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they they succeed in their mission, mm-hmm. but it seems like there's still a lot of distrust among all these people. Oh, yeah. We really don't see, and- you know, what Harker's deal is. I mean, it's referenced of who she was married, and there was a discreet, uh, you know, uh, divorce going on. But there's still right. some distrust among... Nemo and the Invisible Man and and Hyde and Quartermain against their boss Bond. Right. And right. so they and s- rightfully so. Yeah, because they send uh, the Invisible Man, invisible and naked, mind you, uh, to he follow. He spends a lot of time naked. He does really. I'm I'm really uh, disturbed by the amount of naked man that doesn't appear in the uh, book because he's invisible. <laughs> uh, uh, so what you're saying is you're disappointed by the lack of naked man. Yes. No, no, no. Yes. He's, he's upset about the, the, the amount of naked man that there isn't. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's, that's exactly makes perfect what? sense. Yes, exactly. Me. So they follow him and we find out who M is. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Can I say it? Yes, please. Professor Moriarty, I presume. Yes, the person who uh, was Sherlock Holmes' big nemesis. Nemesis. In uh, all and those what, Sherlock Holmes stories, who supposedly they both went over the falls together and died, but mm-hmm. not Moriarty. You know what's truly awesome about this? What's that? This is set, what, roughly 1890-something, 1889. 1889. I, I'm sorry, 1898. Uh, Alan Moore. My uh, dyslexia again. 
There you go. 18, whatever. Alan Moore actually went by the date of publication of the story. Right. Which means that during this portion of history, uh, Conan Doyle had killed Sherlock Holmes in that uh, at Reichenbach Falls in that story, whose name escapes me. But all of the other characters were actually in print in the year 1898, with the exception of Quartermain, who was about 20 years out of print, which is why he's now old and decrepit. Nice. And I lo- so basically – Go ahead. No, after you. You uh... – I was, I was just going <laughs> to say I like how you know he is old and forgotten, and when we yeah. see him at the beginning, you know the opium certainly has ravaged him and time has taken its toll, and he's just this walking skeleton, mm-hmm. yet within – probably the course of two weeks, mm-hmm. you know, he's this big, robust, rich, yep. you know, built out guy. Are you sure time is not fleeting and madness has taken its toll? Maybe both. It's astounding. Never mind, Bruce, that was for you, brother. <laughs> uh, let us, let us see here what we have. Salieri says, fun fact, I didn't watch the film until three years after reading the graphic novel in an English class for the pre-holiday last lesson when we'd been studying Dorian Gray, and I learned, a, or rather deduced, this fun fact. Dorian is traditionally drawn or portrayed as a young blonde man in the Victorian age. However, an executive producer fella told the scriptwriter of the film that they needed Dorian and a few others to beef up the cast and informed him that it would have to be canon because there's yet another league, their adventures never fully disclosed in the series, whose portraits appear on the very cover shown uh, on the uh, trade paperback that we're... we're talking about and who do we have on that Mm. cover we do have dorian gray we do have the Mm -hmm. nautilus so it looks like uh nemo has been involved before we have some uh sir uh francis varney yeah but 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 the other league isn't necessarily the big portraits there's always this group shot that has like a a mystery cowboy and like a bunch of other people yeah i I, I I saw that and i was i was uh, let me see if i can find it so there's been a previous league um is and it's it's very subtly hinted at no one ever says oh by the way there was a previous league right but the mystery cowboy is actually natty bumpo no no um, no that that's on uh, the other end who's from, on the left uh, side like dr sin or something from last of the mohicans okay nice and who else is there do you have that page i believe lemuel gulliver no yep. i'm just going by gulliver oh man gulliver I I was find that page. in it fanny hill from the uh, semi-pornographic novel of the same name um the Scarlet Pimpernel and his wife. Oh, yeah, Mr. and, and the, Mrs. Blakeney. The Reverend Blakeney Dr. Sin. The Reverend Dr. Sin, who's the guy who looks like Batman or the Shadow. Yeah, right. Mistress Hill and Natty Bumpo, 1787. Yep. Natty Bumpo is the character, of course, from Last of the Mohicans, yeah. known as Hawkeye. Yeah, that's kind of cool. And that's just an added bonus. But he goes on to say, Salieri goes on to say, whatever dim-witted idiot told... This failed to notice the picture of the blonde young man in Victorian clothing and a cane clearly labeled Darien Gray, just above the giant skull. Instead, they turned to that portrait labeled Sir Francis Varney, just behind the headless, armless Roman statue, Varney being notable for being the first fictional vampire with fangs, and the tendency to uh, whine about how terrible it is being a vampire and so on. However, he was created a full 42 years before Dorian and reflects the fashion of the time. Thus, while the book's Dorian remains an uh, what is that word? Aristocratic. <laughs> Aristocratic old queen trapped both in the body of a nubile blonde and the proverbial closet in the film. He's portrayed by uh, Stuart Townsend as a vampire, curly haired gentleman who the true Dorian 
would have thought of as his grandfather. So interesting things that you can read mm-hmm. and get out of, out of this book. And it really goes really deep. I, I guess that's what I, I like about yeah. this too. Can I just say one thing while we're right yeah. here? Yes. Can I? Yes. Can I? Yes. Screw the movie. Screw the movie right in the ear. Okay. Yeah. Ass it up the butt. We need to. Should we? Uh, ass <laughs> 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 it up the butt or F it up the butt? No, no, no. If you're going to say that. F it in the A. No, no, no. You, then you have to say it. Fuck it up the B. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Hey, I'm usually usually not the one who wears the adult tag. (laughs) For those of you who were in the poll, it actually came at approximately one hour and seven minutes. We'll let that one slip and we'll still keep the clean tag on it. Although, parents, you should have learned by now that your kids should not be listening to this show. Bad parent. Bad. Uh, Kirby says this is Alan Moore at his best. For everyone who found Watchmen Deep, this is more so in just the sheer literary references. Where I believe to be the second volume in the uh, almanac, there are like 30 obscure references a page. I like how it does deconstruct the team book mentality a bit without going uh, too far. This is my Superman, for example. So, uh, Is this Alan Moore at his best? I think it is, and here's why. Okay. Alan Moore is one of those guys who is who I kind of aspire to be the guy who will throw a reference to you know some obscure piece of british literature in the middle of a conversation about cheese right it's referencing stories to where you can enjoy that straightforward adventure story and if you have an understanding you can enjoy that adventure story with that extra layer of look it's alan quartermain i remember him richard chamberlain played him in a movie once and you have all these characters and no matter what level of geek you are, from your basic dweeb all the way up to your master level schmendrick, <laughs> you have something that you can look at. I actually went through here and I went online one day when I was bored at work and started reading the, um, the annotations yeah. of this series. Yeah. The annotations are so thick and so deep. They're referencing things that I literally have no idea what they are, and I have to go out and go Google chaining to figure out what in the hell the annotations of the book meant. Yeah, and you think our intros are bad. Yeah. Oh, dear Lord. This is what I aspire to be. (laughs) The the fascination of this is... scary guy with um, beard and hair. Here's my story. Okay. Ready? Yes. This is my story. Yes. Back in the day, I used to work in a call center for a particular department of the federal government. Make calls. I used to sit in the call center and I would read things. And one of the things that I brought to work one day was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Volume 1. There is a sequence in Volume 1 where Fu Manchu, yes. the mysterious Chinaman, Chinaman mm-hmm. has discovered or captured somebody. And in order to punish him for his duplicity, is painting in Chinese on the character's skin in acid right. and burning a message into his skin. And I'm sitting there one day and I'm reading and reading and reading. And the girl behind me, who happened to be Chinese, was looking over my shoulder and going, that says this. And she read to me what it said. He is a traitor or something to this effect. And she went through and was reading panel to panel and seeing all of the yeah. Chinese signs yeah. are actually in Chinese right. and they actually mean something. Nice. 
And she was so fascinated by this that she borrowed that volume and eventually read all of the volumes of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and then Promethea mm -hmm. and then read Tom Strong before I eventually got fired from that call center. <laughs> for not making calls. <laughs> for, for lowering productivity by getting everyone into comics. <laughs> well, we all have our bears to Converting cross. to normal since but, 1975. Ting! Um... <laughs> But the thing to me that's so wonderful is if you want just the surface story, that surface story rocks. Yeah. And it has references to things that everybody's heard about. Right. Everybody knows Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Virtually everybody well, knows, you know, the basics of Professor Moriarty and Sherlock well, Holmes. I think that everybody knows Sherlock okay, Holmes. No, I would say no, you're wrong. Uh, well, I would say you're well, wrong. okay, so we could say Rodrigo is well, a well, uh, well is a well read person. Rodrigo, I would consider a well rounded young man. Well, thank okay? you. Wait, did he just call me fat? <laughs> uh, Stephen, there's a black kettle on line two for you. <laughs> no, 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 no. He wants to call you something. No, no, no. Listen. Okay. I'm I go well to class. Rounded. You're well rounded. You're well read. So you know who, you know these characters are yes. and you've heard of them and you've probably experienced them before the movie. Correct. Right. But I could go into one of my college classrooms tomorrow. In fact, tomorrow I will. Uh, and I can ask who is Dorian Gray, or I could ask who is Wilhelmina Harker, or I could ask who can tell me who Maury Artie is. Yes. And I will be received with blank stares. If it is, if it isn't before, Britney Spears, if it occurred before Britney Spears came into existence, they don't know it. And so I think that that could be part of the problem with this with this book is that it, it may be hard for the younger set to attach onto and catch the references like you're saying, Matthew. On the other hand, it's a good story. And I've had my um, my comics to film class read this book before watching the film and they came away saying, oh, I didn't know who Moriarty was. I didn't know what this story was. I didn't understand this. Who are these people? But they enjoyed the story. Well, but you know, to understand all these literary references, I'm not sure people get that. Well, I don't think, I don't think anybody's teaching this. In fact, the, the big reason why I already was familiar with, some, with a lot of these characters was my grandma. Because my grandma would tell me about Captain Nemo, and my grandma would tell me about uh, Little Rodrigo. Once upon a time, I well, went on my, a voyage my, with my grandma. With Nemo. Would always make these very like oblique references to like Doctor Zhivago, yeah, and just like any like all the literature and movies that she liked. She'd be like, "Oh, you're like, oh, you're being like this guy," and I'm like, "Who is that guy?" And he's like, "Oh, well, he's a guy who drinks an elixir and turns into a evil killer man." And I was like, "Awesome! Tell me more about this <laughs> awesome man, Grandma." Is he a Hulk? We can yes. call him a Hulk. Is he asked unto like the Hulk? But yeah, I mean, so you have to have I, you have to be exposed to these characters in order to understand them. Well, I have not I, ever been in a class, unless it's in a college level where it's a um, survey of literature type class, where someone assigns twenty thousand leagues under the sea, or a trip mm -hmm. to the moon, or uh, Alan Quartermain. My God, I didn't read the original Alan Quartermain until after I saw the Richard Chamberlain movie, right? And then I was like, "What the what the f?" <laughs> these, <I'm sorry. laughs> these are hundred year old stories, exactly. more than a hundred years. Well, old when this stories. series came out, it would have been almost a hundred years exactly, right? Let me make three points. Okay. Point number one: point one. Sub A. You and don't get me wrong; it is my alma mater. 
Tigers, Tigers, Uber Ales. Fort Hayes may not be the best place to go if you're looking for real heavy-duty intellectual discourse. True. I'm not saying it's a bad school. I'm just saying it ain't Harvard. I would bet if you went to Harvard and asked a lot of those people, they probably still wouldn't, unless it's on a reading list they had to have for their intro right. to literature course. Well, there you go. Second point, and an important bit, is these are essentially the 19th century equivalent of comic books. Right. Mm -hmm. Most of them come from pulp novels yeah, or, or, you know, the, the mass fiction. So they're not characters that were really meant to last forever. Right. By the way, folks, you just missed the awesome image that I had of Stephen chugging a beer. But <laughs> I won't tell you the label, but it rhymes with booze. And here's me giving the Matthew telling him he's number one. Yeah. Uh, you no, can but edit go that on, out. Go okay. on. Go on with three. Your, no, no, no. Go ahead. Two, go ahead with one. your. And and my second point, oh, no, never mind. My third point, and this is the most important point, I think, for us to make, okay. is I have never considered myself, generally speaking, to be the smartest person in the room. However, well, of course I am not. Your wife and kid are there. <laughs> I'm occasionally proven wrong in mm -hmm. that. And I walked into this knowing who Alan Quartermain was, mostly from the Richard Chamberlain movie. Right. Sharon Stone I knew who well. Mina Murray was from Tomb of Dracula by War Marv Wolfman. Mm -hmm. nice. I knew who Dorian Gray was and who Dr. Zhivago, Dr. Jekyll, forgive me, and uh, Captain Nemo were from watching WGN movies in the say. afternoon when I was a kid. Yeah. And by much like Rodrigo being raised by intellectuals, my grandmother was an English teacher. There were actual books around my yeah. house growing up, which is why I don't own any now. But <laughs> Well, I'm the same way because I grew up where – when it was summertime, my mom would give me a stack of books and say, when we're driving to our next family vacation destination, here's what you're reading. Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn, Little Women. Uh, uh, Sharkleberry Finn? Yeah. Uh, 20,000 Leagues, Trip to the Moon. So, yeah, I was kind of forced to experience these things. And I think a lot of people were forced to experience them. And that may be why they're not necessarily as prolific. And honestly, people don't know about them because they aren't TV shows. True. But here's the thing about League that's fascinating to me. The story isn't necessarily about, hey, what can I do with Alan Quartermain that would make Alan Quartermain fans hate me? It's about how can we do a good adventure story that also has this layer. And one thing we have yet to touch on. And that I want to make sure that we reference is the art of Kevin O'Neill. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I was first experienced to Ke or exposed to Kevin um, in a magazine called Toxic a million years ago when I used to frequent creepy comic stores all over the universe. And Toxic was the home of a character named Martial Law. Uh huh. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Martial Law, but is he familiar. is the ultimate. He's basically Batman taken to the ultimate fascist thug extreme. Judge Dredd. And. Worse than Judge oh, Dredd. Okay. I mean, his costume actually has fear and loathing written yeah, on it. Yeah, I know who that is. His villains, his villains are these monstrous things with slogans on their chest and enormous phallic symbols and giant, bulging, mutated, inhuman skulls. And just you look at it, and at first, the craft looks so stilted right. that I didn't care for it. And then as I started reading martial law and realizing – how much character even these ugly creatures had and how much life was in the art and how, you know, how the coloring just brought it all out. When I finally got to the point where I was by issue three or four of martial law, I could not help but love everything that Kevin O'Neill was doing. 
he crams the panels with as much detail as Alan Moore shoves in the story. Well, again, and that is difficult well, enough. Well, again, look at that front cover where you have all these portraits of other literary characters and squeezed right in there, really teeny tiny in the center, is uh, the guy from The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Mm-hmm. Yep. What I really enjoyed, and this is something that, again, you take away from a book what kind of a little bit of what you bring to it. And I have to start this with another one of my digressions. Crane, when I was in college, do you remember the frontier town out yes, uh, by the highway? Yes, now a overgrown rat trap, literally rat trap, tinderbox waiting okay. to burn. Back when it was a, a tinderbox not Ner- quite so ready trap. to burn, <laughs> several of my friends and I used to do a Western show there on Sundays. Oh, man, you nerd. I would run the bar because I was the, the only one who they trusted to handle money. <laughs> so I was running the bar as a bartender, and every once in a while we'd go out, and of course we'd have the, the gunfight. One of our friends had black powder weapons. Right. One of the black powder weapons he had was a pepper box pistol. Mm-hmm. That exact pistol, and its tendency to misfire and all, was the weapon that Alan Quartermain has in his first appearance when he shoots the gun. Now, here's the thing that I know. I remember from him telling me this, that, oh, this gun's really not real to the period. It was like 50 years old at that point, and nobody would have used it. But I happen to own it, and let's use it. And I looked at it. If it was 50 years old in the 1870s, that means it's an ancient, decrepit weapon that nobody would use, which is the perfect weapon for a drugged-out lunatic to have when he's in this asylum is an old black powder pepper box gun. Well, and the fact that he's also 20 years out of date. Exactly. I looked at that, and I went, hey, I know that gun, and I know that the the joke is that that gun is an antique piece of crap by this point in time. Nice. That's just something that Kevin O'Neill drew in that maybe nine guys in the universe would get that I happen to pick up on that I just love to death. There are a lot of if, go ahead. No, there go are ahead. a it's lot of turn. artists out there who fortunately or unfortunately draw a lot of their secondary characters a lot alike. They all have the same look, the same kind of feel. And yet when we're getting crowd reactions, and that's the other thing, you're talking about detail. When you're seeing the streets of London, it is packed with people and things and junk and dirt and urine and feces and all this stuff. Yep. Yet all the people look different. Nobody looks the same. Mm-hmm. And that yep. when you see when I see that in a comic, I'm I know that I'm reading something that somebody took the time to create, not something that's slapped yep. together because they had to meet a deadline of 22 days. I Exactly. I think it's in actually volume 2, but there's a moment where there's panic in the streets of London, and you see this old man. I'm blind. No, that's round, in this one. <laughs> no, rounding up his kids and running them underground. That's in this one. And it's the artful Dodger. Yeah, yeah. that's in this from one. From Oliver Twist, and it's the Dodger grown up to basically be Fagin leading his own group of children. Yeah. It, I mean, it's it's moments like that that if, if you don't know who the artful Dodger is, fine. It's a piece of background material. If you know who the artful Dodger is, it's a piece of background material that is essentially like the ultimate fan fiction story that ends and you go, oh, Artful Dodger lived. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. Uh, Rodrigo, any other thoughts? Any thoughts you want to make on art? Uh, I I thought the art was uh, was fantastic. Um, I, again, if, if somebody had just... Uh, if, if I had picked it up, um, 
and I had no idea who the characters are, I probably wouldn't have picked it up because it's not the kind of art that immediately appeals to me. Mm-hmm. But since I was going into it knowing that this was like essentially a story of like the first super team ever, um, and I was I was into that. I, I the art really grew on me. Um, there are, there are great artistic decisions made. Um, like and and one of my my favorite moments in the book is when um they're they've they've infiltrated this place and they're about to bust out and um the invisible man is talking to uh Hyde and he's like oh we need to go this way and he's like oh what are you looking at and then you see from Hyde's point of view right. that it's gotten to the point where Hyde can like see into the infrared right so he can actually see the invisible man yeah um and just the way that he's drawn the way that essentially he gets that uh, heat signature thing which is such a bizarre thing mm-hmm. along with the rest of all the other bizarre things that are going on yeah. it's just it's just great i like the fact that in this version steampunk is is king mm. you know where you've yep. got all these mechanical devices in fact everyone's building things bigger and better and there's cranes and i just like the architecture and the weird design mm-hmm. That's taking place what? in that time period that still works in that time period, even though you've got fantastical flying metal ships that look like bats. and mm-hmm. Right. And it makes sense with minds like, you know, Professor Caver and Sherlock Holmes and these extraordinary characters. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Characters they are beyond ordinary. They floating are around. They're, yeah, they're affecting, they're affecting the technology. They're affecting the world. They're affecting history. Um, I believe in the first issue, there's a bridge across the English Channel, yeah. which is something that even now I, I don't think they've ever achieved. They had to settle for the channel. Yep. But you know they they were going to open it in 1899 mm-hmm. because of the you know the steampunk aspect right. of it. Yeah. There's all these little bits of historical, real historical things, and little tidbits of history as you see them. I remember reading an interview with Alan Moore where he decided about halfway through that he was going to use every single piece of fiction he could. And he actually wrote the fictional history of the kings of Britain. Oh, cool. Starting with with the Dark Ages, King Arthur, and working all the way through up to the 1990s that accidentally had a fat American guy named Ralph become king. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, he wanted to use everything. And he also threatened to use a a character that came from a story that his seven-year-old nephew wrote in uh, school. So (laughs) neener, neener to anybody trying to figure that one out. Cool. But, I mean, there's there's so much love put into – you know, it's not a question of how can I confuse them or one-up them now. It's how can I fit in this cool little bit. So it's it's really like the best kind of fan fiction in that it shows the love of the original stories and characters. Yeah. Even when it twists them a little bit, it shows that, you know, Alan Moore at least is so enamored of these characters that he's willing to write about them 100 years down the line. Right. And so there's also justification then for him to go to completely uh, uh, be shit – when, uh, <laughs> when uh, uh, you know, they, they turn this into a movie that is nothing, absolutely nothing like the graphic novel. Hey, I'd be pissed, oh, too, if somebody <laughs> did that to my work. Uh, man, I'm going to have to change the tag on this one. Yeah, you are. Man, oh, man. Well, before we get, uh, uh, our... before we get too, uh, too much more blue into our conversation... That's all yeah. right. The poor motherfuckers at home know what's going on. Uh, <laughs> final thoughts. League of uh, Extraordinary Gentlemen. 
I believe I shall quote the great philosopher Rodrigo Lopez, who said, and I liked it. <laughs> well, T-shirt. Well, well, I got, I got nothing to say. I believe I will co- quote the great philosopher Matthew Peterson by saying, uh, when I was living in uh, Kansas a long time ago, <laughs> no. long, long time ago, and I was going to Gulliver's Tattered Covers back in the 1820s. <laughs> no, I really liked it. Um, I, I, it's it's one of my favorite graphic novels by far. I, to me, it's uh, it's it, it somehow manages to take everything that's good about Victorian literature pulp and superhero comics right and and merge it seamlessly into into an excellent excellent narrative right right uh i would say if your only exposure to the league of extraordinary gentlemen is in the movie if the movie's your only God exposure help you then there are some people who like the movie who have only seen the movie and never read the source material and they like it and there's nothing wrong with wrong. that except that they're wrong right they are wrong. um but if that's your only exposure, pick up this book because I think you'll have a whole new eye-opening, enjoying experience than what you got from the movie. And I will say that the movie did miss one huge beat. Which was? And and that they did not use Russia's Tom Sawyer for a battle sequence. <laughs> that would be awesome. Tom Sawyer. <laughs> He gets high on you, and then the invisible man comes and stabs you in the ass. <laughs> Excuse me, S's you in the ass. <laughs> uh, All right, everybody. I think we better wrap this show up before we get too uh, too much more oh, crazy in the crazy. I still got six or eight good curse words in me, G. Damn it. <laughs> I think we are going to end it there. Thank you, everybody, for listening once again. James, you have a big task ahead of you. Twenty-five times two. New listeners, before we can cover your uh, wrestling stuff. To put this in the perspective of my workplace job as an ineffectual middle management suck-up, what we need to see is some sustained improvement in your metrics. In other so words, what I want you to do is really focus on the recruitment process and your issue resolve. Uh, every, all the rest of you, thank you so much for being part of the Major Spoilers Experience. Next week, Rodrigo, what are we talking about? Um, <laughs> the same stuff rising. we always talk about. Yeah. <laughs> we're planning to take over Try. the world. Somebody read my Facebook page this week. Woohoo! Nice. Yeah, we're uh, we're talking What's about three the first now? volume of Rising Stars. Yeah, the first rising volume of Rising Stars from Top Cow. It's been recommended to me. Yes. Uh, that's what we will be doing next time. Listen to the things about how to contact us. Thank you so much for everybody who's putting the fantastic ratings up in iTunes. And if you're one of our listeners and you enjoyed this show. If you didn't enjoy the show, please don't give it a rating. But if you enjoyed this yeah. show, please give us a positive rating on iTunes. In fact, get all your people to subscribe to the show through iTunes and try to get us on the front page, won't you? Because we'll keep doing this show for as long as we keep doing this show because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you next time. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at MySpace.com slash Majorspoilers.
If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, they kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. If I'm Stark Raven, rich like a man of iron, I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the hard cold to follow an entire storyline. But would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fun be in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major Spoilers Podcast, copyright 2009